Inconceivable. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. Killed my father, prepared to die. You keep using that word. I do not think it means <laughs> what you think it means. Death cannot stop true love. All I can do is delay it for a while. Life isn't fair. It's just fairer than death. That's all. Life is pain. Anyone who says differently is selling something. Stop rhyming. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? Good night, Wesley. Good work. Sleep well. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. As you wish. Hey, Aaron. How are you? Hey, I'm well. How about you? Oh, I'm doing fine. My big sis is okay. Are you happy? Very happy, yes. Okay, good. I'm glad <laughs> to hear. Well, welcome to the People versus Happiness. I know that you and I have talked about having a series of conversations uh, as I am starting to do something a little bit different with the podcast here. The second person that's going to be doing kind of this short form conversation, which will be, end up being a series of conversations between the two of us. And when I asked you what you would like to talk about, you specifically said you would like to kind of remember some nostalgic things from our childhood or youth and talk about some things from the 80s, like movies and video games and music and those kind of things from our childhood. And I think that's a fantastic idea because those things still bring me a lot of joy and a lot of happiness. And I know they do you as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to talk about today specifically, though, is absolutely a favorite movie and a favorite book of mine now which is The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. My all-time favorite movie. Yeah. I, I think that I would have guessed that, uh, if not Labyrinth or Willow or something like that, which, again, <laughs> we, we may we may have conversations about that in the future. But, yeah, those uh, are right I, up there. But, yeah, Princess Bride is the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is why we're starting with it, I guess. <laughs> what is it about The Princess Bride, do you think, that really makes you happy and nostalgic? <sighs> It's, and I was talking about this with Mackenzie, my daughter, earlier today, because we were trying to define like a genre of Princess Bride. And I always thought of it as fantasy, which is kind of one of my favorite, but I think it's many things. And I think that's why it appeals to so many people. But it's one of those that I remember seeing in the theater as a kid. I must have been like 10 when it came out, nine or 10. I don't. I liked it for so many reasons, which I guess we'll get into. But um, when I was that age, one of which being Fred Savage was in it, I had a crush on Fred Savage <laughs> <laughs> from the Wonder Years. Is that why? Yes. What you knew from, I guess, at that point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the the princess and the castle and the adventure. It just really stuck with me as a kid. Yeah, I, I I agree with you that it definitely comes across as fantasy because there are a lot of fantasy elements in it, but. I truly, if you were going to put it into any genre, I think it's a comedic adventure is what I would call it. And having read the book now, I I, I can't believe it took me this long to read the book. I actually just read it a couple months ago. I definitely would categorize it as that. The actual title of the book is The Princess Bride, S. Morgenstern's Classic Tale of True Love and High Adventure. So it's right there in the title. You know, what, what really strikes you? What are some of your favorite elements about the movie? That's a hard question, David. I don't know. Tell me yours first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, obviously, the stylistically, the 80s, which, by the way, I, I did not realize you'd seen it in theaters. That's really cool. Yeah. Yes. But any movie made during that time obviously has a very specific feel to it. It is a little bit different in its style from some movies similar to it. But it's just that that classic 80s feeling is what, you know, when you look back on it and you watch it again, you feel transported back to that time. Uh, the music, uh, the writing, 
you know, all of those things, the characters just yeah. draw you in so much. And really, you know, William Goldman, the author of the book, is his voice is is what really through all the different characters, through the narrator, through the kid, through all the characters in the actual story, his voice is just very unique. And I think that's what really draws you into the story. You've got pirates and princesses and <laughs> sword fights and everything's there for for a yeah. I think you put it really well. It's it's clever. I think it speaks to people of all ages because I love it just as much now as when I was a kid. Of course, you see things differently as you age, but the way it is written, the quotes, obviously, um, and then I think, as you mentioned, the music. I had the soundtrack um, and would listen to that like every night when I was a teenager. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Lastly, I think the the casting uh, is absolutely brilliant. Um, Definitely. Every, everyone from um, uh, obviously Wesley, which is what Carrie Elwes, yeah, I think Elwes, yeah, from him to Fred Savage to Andre the Giant and Mandy Patinkin, and even the guy that plays the Sicilian, I can't think of his name at the moment either. All of them just were just seemed perfect. <laughs> Buttercup, and that was what? her first like major role, Robin Wright. Oh yeah, Robin Wright. Yeah, and, and even, you know, Billy Crystal being Mir- Miracle Max. Carol Kane is is awesome. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I look and when I, when I see all these people uh, and other things, even to this day, uh, I like them because of The Princess Bride. Yes. Uh, yeah. Carol, Kane, Carol Kane and um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, you know, Mandy Patikin and things that I've seen him in since. Dead Like Me, that, that was a show that he was in that, you know, just even though he's playing a completely different character and he's much older, it still just takes me right back to, to the Spaniard. <laughs> yep. um, but that kind of takes me to another thing that I wanted to talk to you about the book. You, you haven't read it yet, correct? No. And I'm ashamed that I haven't read it. <laughs> I think it's one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah. I still have not. Well, that's one of the thing. I mean, I, probably a lot of people don't even realize that it's a book and that it's based mm-hmm. on a book, but William Goldman, he actually, he's done a lot of movies and so he actually writes movies more than he does books actually writes screenplays and he wrote butch cassidy and the sundance kid all the president's men marathon man and other things and he actually even makes references to butch cassidy and sundance kid in the book because he wrote that in 1969 and then princess bride later of course so it's weird because william goldman actually is a character in the princess bride um because he's he's actually talking about how he used to his father read him a book when he was young and when he was sick which was s morgenstern's classic tale of true love and high adventure the princess bride oh cool so he's like the the boy yes it's actually from his perspective as an adult talking about his experience when he was a boy when he grows up he actually goes out of his way to buy his son a copy of the book. And his son says he like read the first chapter or maybe the second chapter. He, he stopped reading and he gets really upset because he's like, this is one of my favorite books. And I really wanted to connect with my son over something and I haven't been able to. And I thought that the Princess Bride was going to be it because this is such an important thing in my life. And it, he then picks up the Princess Bride and starts reading and realizes that his father uh, told him just the good parts version of the story. 
which oh. is kind of which is kind of the play on you know what the the grandfather does for Fred Savage in in the movie. Um, but yeah, he starts reading. And he's like, oh my goodness, this is all, all this is just all this history of uh, Florin, which is a made up place. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's like he made up an author in S. Morgenstern and made up a book within his book about a made up place (laughs) uh, (laughs) that is supposed to be real in the world though. So it's, it's, it's very strange and kind of meta uh, in in that regard. It kind of reminds me of um, this Stephen King series, the dark tower, Stephen King becomes a character and and, and he did create the characters in that world. It's kind of meta like that, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But so Florin, uh, you know, is this made up place where, where there's all this history um, that supposedly is in the Princess Bride. And so his father would skip over all the history, like pages and pages and pages of this really boring stuff and just tell him the, the fun, exciting parts. So in the book, William Goldman gets upset about this and says, well, you know, that's a really good story. No one knows about it. So what I'm going to do is write an abridged version of the Princess Bride as the good parts version. And so he actually then writes the Princess Bride in the book. And that's what you then read. And right. he actually, he actually even, he actually even has like imp- uh, parentheticals in parts of the story, his own voice mm-hmm. coming in and saying, Hey, I'm cutting this out for this reason, or I'm doing this for this reason. So he like talks to you throughout the entire story. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. Like he's reading to you and like adding little side notes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of it's really weird. Um, and, and like, it talks about like Paris and America and other places which, you know, I didn't really even think about that when I was young. The fact that this seems like this fantastical story where there's, you know, giant rodents and uh, fire swamps and all these other unbelievable things. And, you know, people coming back from the dead. But then you have the Sicilian and you've got uh, Fezzik is from Greenland. And then oh. Inigo is from Spain. It's really weird. And, and yeah, apparently uh, Wesley, when he leaves, um, goes to America. As part of that, so okay, but the timeline gets all screwed up and weird, and and like you're, it, there's things that are anachronistic, and it, but he makes reference to that in very weird ways throughout the book. I don't want to ruin it for you because you do really need to read it, but I will. I am going yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some parts that that stand out to you in in the movie, though? I, I mean, obviously, I think the the very first scene um, with Fred Savage where he's playing that that game oh the baseball game yes uh-huh we had a similar game growing yeah. up i don't know if you remember that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah for in television i think right yes yep yeah so that that actually kind of makes a reference to um to william goldman in the book too who was really into sports and things like that and actually kind of became strangely obsessed with sports um, as a kid. So I think that's, it's a weird way that they make reference to that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and then of course the, the grandfather and talking about, you know, kissing stuff and, <laughs> yeah, and, and skipping over that and how, how the, the boy gets more and more, more invested in, um, in the story and, and, right. and starts calling out the grandfather for skipping parts and that kind of stuff. All that's in the, you know, is in the book and everything too. So they do they do that really well. Actually, really, it's it's probably one of the best adaptations of a book, even though they did change quite a bit. 
Um, I think that, you know, obviously William Goldman being a uh, screenwriter and working on his own book into a movie helps that quite a bit, but. Right. And I like that you see kind of the, the grandson warm up to the idea of books. Cause you know, he doesn't even want his grandfather there in the beginning. So from there, what stands out to you next? Yeah, I mean, obviously I think that, you know, the next biggest part um, after, you know, the part with, with Buttercup and, and Wesley, the farm boy, um, that part kind of dragging on. It's really not very long, um, but <laughs> I remember that part kind of dragging on and I wanted to get on with the story. So you're right. I think that really where, where it starts uh, after Buttercup goes and, and is living with Prince Humperdinck or, you know, getting ready to be married to him and everything mm-hmm. um, is really when it, when the, when the good parts <laughs> start, so to speak, uh, is when Buttercup gets, gets kidnapped by, um, you know, the three people hired to to take her away and ultimately kill her and start the war between uh, Florin and... Gilder? Gildar? Yes. Yes. Gildar? Yes. Gilder. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. And so then the biggest scene that happens there is, you know, crossing um, the sea to the Cliffs of Insanity and, and the, the screeching eels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I don't remember, it's not, they're not eels in the book. I think they're sharks. I wonder why they changed it to eels. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just because it's made for more interesting or that it was easier to do or something. <laughs> from... Are they shrieking sharks or just sharks? Ah, I think they're shrieking sharks. I, I honestly don't remember. Um, I, I remember being similar, but but, you know, just a little bit different. I'm not even sure she ends up in the water. I don't really remember that part. But um, but then climbing the cliffs is pretty much the same in the book. And then one of my favorite parts of the book is when Inigo Montoya and, and uh, Wesley sword fight. Yes. Fun fact about that. Carrie <laughs> <laughs> uh, Elwes did that, filmed that scene with a broken foot or ankle. Oh, really? I can't remember which. He uh-huh. had been in like a... Um, on a Vespa or something and had an accident and broke his foot. Oh, that's a manly way to break your foot. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently the scene where Count Rugen hits him over the head, he, Carrie told the actor to go ahead and just really go off and, and, and hit him as hard as he can. And apparently he did it so hard that they had to stop production that day and he had to go to the hospital. (laughs) Yes. That was in the book too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They practiced that for months and months. It was like one of the first things they started working on was all the choreography for that. I guess in today's uh, standards of like an action scene, it's, it probably seems kind of silly, but it, that's definitely one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> yeah, it's silly, but it works. And I think that's what a lot of the like comedic elements of the movie are like. They don't seem out of place. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they just right. work. Yeah. Right, right. The the tone and the style of the movie and, and the writing, it's it's perfect. Following Inigo Montoya, I I think his story is really interesting, especially in the book. It it expands a little bit on you know what he did to become such a, a good sword fighter. Um and same with Fezzik, it follows him to begin show like how he became such a good fighter and mm-hmm. and the fact that he talks about fighting mobs only and that's why he's not doing well against uh just Wesley right, that right. that's like yeah. it talks about that much more in the book and 
it's cool to see that they really kept a lot of that in there, even though they didn't go into great detail or didn't have time to go into great detail. Right. It's probably a time uh, thing. Yeah, for sure. But absolutely by far, speaking of other quotes, is when he does catch up with the six-fingered man and he finally, you know, he gets injured and he seems like he's going to die and everything. And he finally starts fighting back. And, and as he's starting to give the six-fingered man all of the injuries that they gave him, including the slashes on his cheeks, and the two stabs in his shoulder and the stab in the stomach, you know, he says, offer me money. And the six finger man says, yes. And he says, power to promise me that. And he says, all that I have more, please offer me everything I ask for. He says, anything you want. And he says, I want my father back. You son of a bitch. And then kills him. Yes. That's real good. <laughs> an awesome. It is. <laughs> yeah. I saw I still get chills when I when I see that part, and yeah. it was good. In, it was good in the book too. <laughs> and you're right, Mandy Patinkin delivered that perfectly. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that you know, even I mean, even seeing him and things like I don't, I don't know if you know he did uh, the Secret Garden, the musical. Oh no, I didn't know. Yeah, even seeing him in that and stuff like that, I just I don't know. I, I just appreciate him more than I probably would have if I didn't know about him when I was young. Right. <laughs> Oh, um, the, the battle of wits. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to put this in the, the podcast. Okay. <laughs> I started taking this powdered collagen. <laughs> and I mix it in my coffee every morning. And every single day, I think it's odorless, tasteless, dissolves instantly in liquid, and is among one of the more deadly poisons known <laughs> to man. <laughs> the Princess Bride is a part of my daily routine. <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand. I it's like, yeah, that's another area where <laughs> it references like a part of the real world that is kind of strange. I never thought about as a kid, but when he says never get involved in Asian land wars or whatever, yeah, land war in Asia, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then going into the fire swamp, uh, that actually, um, William Goldman was on set when they were doing that, and he knew that the there were going to be the fire spurts or bursts or whatever. But apparently when one take caught her dress on fire, he actually screamed out, her dress is on fire. Because he was just like caught up in the moment. That's funny. (laughs) And and ruined the take. So (laughs) The one thing that I found cheesy in the movie was the R.O.U.S.'s. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to tell the story about how they actually had small actors doing that? Yeah. The one guy didn't show up to work because he got drunk and was in jail. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, was, they were like detaining him somewhere. Yeah, I think so. And I think he was telling like, no, I have to I have to go be in a movie. I'm a giant rat. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they didn't believe him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a, a person of small stature saying, no, I'm a giant rat. Yes, let me go. <laughs> I guess for the 80s, they did what they could. But yeah, it's just a little. I don't know. And the noises that they make, they're like, oh, it always disturbed me, though, when the rat bites Wesley's shoulder and he's like screaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The lightning sand part. I remember trying to hold my breath as long as they were down under yep. the sand and stuff. And Every of course, <laughs> of course, it's way too long. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you know that there was really a Dread Pirate Roberts? No. His name was Bartholomew Roberts. He was also known as Black Bart. And he operated in the 
Caribbean in the early 18th century, and he's reckoned to be by many the most successful pirate of all time. Wow. I've heard of Black Bart. Well, Black Bart, when I think of Black Bart, do you remember that restaurant we used to go to in, I think maybe in North Dakota or something, where it was like a a Wild West style show? Like you go in and there's like a little show and there's like the good guy in the white hat and then there's Black Bart and like he either the good guy or the bad guy gets shot or something happens and they fall off that waterfall into the pool or whatever. Yes. I I think that was in Denver. Oh, it was in Denver? Yeah. Because you Um, and Josh took like cap guns and we're shooting them. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I think. That's what I thought of when I heard Black Bart when I was reading this earlier. Maybe that's why it sounds familiar to me. Yeah, (laughs) that might be. So did William Goldman base Dread Pirate Roberts on? I w- yeah, I think so. I believe so. Seems like it anyway. Well, I mean, I've talked about most of the scenes that really stand out to me. I mean, obviously, you know, there's the part where Fezzik pretends to be um, the Dread Pirate Roberts and catches the cloak on fire because he's got the, is it Apocalypse Cloak or whatever? Holocaust. Is it? Holocaust Cloak. Holocaust yeah. Cloak? Is it? Yeah. That seems weird. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Wesley is in the... They take him after they knock him out after the fire swamp. Because that disturbed me, too, when I was a kid. Watching him get tortured. And then yeah. how he whimpers at the end. That just was, like, heart-wrenching to me. <laughs> they hurt Wesley like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that scream that he lets out for a long time. And uh, <laughs> in the book, there's a moment where... When he, when it's like the sound of something dying or the so, something, I don't remember. But oh, when um, they're looking for him, when Inigo says, "My my heart made that sound. My father dies. The man in black makes it now, or something like that." Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just along those lines, we're I know we're all over the place, but I just keep thinking of stuff. Apparently. Uh, Mandy Patinkin uh, used the death of his father, who had died of cancer, kind of as his his driving force for the character and trying to avenge his father. And I think in particular when he says, I want my, I want my father back, you son of a bitch, you know, I'm sure he was drawing on that. <laughs> oh, I didn't know yeah. that either. That's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, that's actually right around the, this area is a good time to talk about this. In the book, Prince Humperdinck, um, mm-hmm. They take him to the bottom of this five-level zoo of death, is what it's called. Zoo and, of death? Yeah, because Prince Humberdink is, you know, a great hunter or whatever, and a great uh, tracker and all yeah. that. And he has all these, like, exotic animals in this in this place. And I won't ruin it for you, but um, Fezzik and Inigo actually go on a little, like, tiny little adventure through it. And that's kind of interesting, and that's different from from the from the movie, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, he's got like a bunch of animals in there that I guess he he can hunt if he wants to or whatever. But that part's pretty yeah. cool because it's because it's kind of more like a little adventure dungeon area that Fezzik and and Inigo go through. Yeah, I never. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but do you think he saw Wesley as something to hunt? I mean, that's. Like metaphorically, uh, yeah, yeah, I I think so. I mean, he obviously enjoyed chasing him, and yeah, even though he was he was doing it to get, uh, you know, just kind of serve his purpose and start a war with with Gilder or whatever. 
does the book go into why he wants to do that? Because the movie doesn't explain that at all. Yeah, it does. It, he wants, I think he just kind of wants to make, make a name for himself. Well, they also talk about how, like, the two countries have been warring with each other for hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's kind of how they stay. They have. It's, I think this is maybe even a commentary on, on modern warfare, but that's kind of how they um, make money and, and stay solvent um, as countries. And, and he's basically doing that to make a name for himself and to keep his country going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, with Prince Humperdinck, uh, though, that scene where, where Wesley has just come back to life and he can't really use his, his body yet. He threatens Prince Humperdinck to, to the what did pain. He say? To the to pain, the yeah. Pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not to the death, but to the pain. Uh, and talks about gouging out his eyes and and cutting off his limbs and all that. And then he's like, yes, yes. And, and then my ears. He's like, no, not your ears. <laughs> yes. I want every woman and child that sees you in the street to, I want you to be able to hear them scream, my God, what is that creature? <laughs> <laughs> will echo in your perfect ears <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty hardcore <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> one more thing that i wanted to talk to you about kind of at the end here unless there's anything else towards the end of the, the movie that really stands out to you that you really remember the very last kiss between wesley and buttercup and when the grandson doesn't mind and actually wants to hear it being read and that's oh, a good yeah. quote too um the invention of the kiss there have been five that have been rated the most passionate, the most pure, but this one left them all behind. Yep. And see, I think as a an older girl watching that versus you who were a kid when you first saw it, you know, that like all romantic and sweet and probably yeah. stood out to me more than you. But sure. Yeah, I it, love that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But actually in the book it goes into more detail that I actually think it tells you about some of the other kisses that oh, are on that okay. list. Um and yeah. No, I think that part's that's really good. It's you know, again, William Goldman is obviously a great writer. That does stand out as an adult man who is much more romantic than a young boy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if you ever get to listen to Carrie Elms's book, you should. Yeah, I'm I want bring to. It up again, but he tells the story of when they're on the bridge. I think it's a bridge where they're kind of looking and seeing how many guards are at the castle gate, mm-hmm. and he can't move his arms yet, or. Um, when they were filming that, I guess Andre the Giant passed gas. <laughs> he said <laughs> it was one of the loudest, smelliest things he's ever experienced. But you just have to hear Carrie Elwes in his perfect English accent say fart. Because <laughs> it's like fart. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's, and I think that just stands out just because of the book part. But I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and kind of you just reminded me of another thing that I read earlier about Andre the Giant. He said that the fi- his favorite thing about filming The Princess Bride is that uh, people didn't look at him. And what he meant by that was that he he didn't people didn't think of him as like a freak and didn't stare at him because he's so big and weird. He felt yeah. like he was really truly accepted and was like in a comfortable place playing that character. That's um, nice. Did yeah. he didn't speak English? I didn't know that. That he didn't speak English? No, he, he spoke French, so he had to listen to his lines on the cassette tape to learn them in oh, English. No, I didn't know that. Did, <laughs> you, did you know that they were trying to make the movie for years, and if it was made when it was first supposed to be, um, instead of Andre the Giant, it would have been Arnold Schwarzenegger as Fezzik. 
Oh, no, that would never have worked. Yeah. I did not know that, though. (laughs) William Goldman actually wanted Andre the Giant, but Andre the Giant wouldn't read for it. And I guess maybe because he couldn't speak English. Now that I, you know. They were saying he felt very self-conscious and worried and like he wouldn't get it right. So I think he did have a lot of anxiety about that. That's probably why. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the last thing that I really wanted to talk about on this topic, and we could always, you know, kind of talk more about it later at a different time, is that in the book, there's actually a a story at the end. He re-released like a 20th year anniversary or something, and ha- added on a story called Buttercup's Baby. Oh, I only knew that because you told me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's just a short story, and it's basically he was going to try to write the sequel and just couldn't do it. And so it's kind of funny. He he put a little backstory on that, too, about how uh, Morgan Stern's estate, like the family of him, basically did not want him to write the abridged version of this other book that existed. So it was going to be similar to what he did with The Princess Bride. But since the the estate of Morgan Stern didn't want him to, they only let him see like one chapter of the book. And so he he abridged that. And that's all he got to see. And so that was his excuse for not being able to write <laughs> a sequel to The Princess Bride, which is kind of interesting and brilliant in a way. Yeah, it is. I have yeah. to read that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, you know, this this was a good conversation. Uh, you know, I'll let you go. Um, definitely, we were all over the place, but I'll, I'll try to... <laughs> I mean, you know, I kind of figure that's that's where you and I, our conversations will probably maybe be a little bit more like that as opposed to when I talk to, to Brandon and Steve and some other people that I'm, I'm talking to, because obviously, you know, growing up together, we've, we've got a lot of memories and all other things built into it. So that's kind of what I want from the conversation with you. So we, it's, it's not a bad thing that we did that. It, it, this it has gone long and it might be a two-parter and that's, that's fine. I do want to talk to you <laughs> next about, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll go off of uh, movies and talk about video games or music or something next but there are certainly lots of movies that have really influenced me as an adult that come from my childhood that i still have very nostalgic feelings uh about so we could have 50 more conversations like this probably but (laughs) what'd you say oh you're breaking up really badly are you there okay well I, i guess maybe this is the perfect time to stop because Aaron has disappeared, but I will catch up with her at a later time and we will continue the conversation. And until next time, do what makes you happy. All right. Bye. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>